0: One year, I kind of got an idea, you know, I want to start trapping. I like to trap, I like to make lure, and I like to write. Where can it go from here? They would be able to spend more time in the woods. I was losing money handling fish trapping, but I didn't care. Getting the traps out there is the hardest part, I think, with them. I would leave the critters in the back of my truck in the high school parking lot. We're going to set traps, like, no matter what. Some of these guys have trapped these areas for generations. we the got two deferred, all. This is Northern Michigan, this is what you do. Representative love game in a positive light. I'm going to ask you guys a question. Do you know everything? This will to be fun. Trying to learn something from these legends. Ask questions without asking questions. Volumes of Perfection Game Magazine. Instructions from Per Glennon. Per articles of Per Glennon. Add to for trapping radios. We are trappers on ourselves. To me, that's pretty important. Alright, everybody listening to me? Develop a system, yet? Because we working ahead of time to build big traffic. If you got variables, you the same, you got bogged down. He started talking about these big fans. Mm-hmm. Most of my time, are coming from up top, not down bottom. Probably the best the country in the world. I don't get any better. Trying to set predator trash and trash waders. back of that beaver looks like it. It's sheer... You better edit this part out. Yeah, yeah, it was better. Back in the fur shed, this is the Trapping Today podcast. Brought to you by Cots Brothers Lures. Trap smarter, work harder, enjoy the success that follows. You can find those guys at Pros. K-A-A-T-Z-P-R-O-S dot Great guys, great service, traps, lure, baits, books and DVDs, everything to get started trapping. Brought you bike, Fur Harvesters Auction, where the world comes to buy wild fur. Fur Harvesters is the remaining auction house in the wild fur industry. These guys are trappers, and they're working to get the best prices for your fur, putting that fur in front of a bunch of buyers on the international fur market. Um, It is game time, guys, for Fur Harvesters to get that fur sent out. They are running routes as we speak. So if you want to get fur in for the March auction, which would be a big auction. It's going to be the biggest international auction of the year. And uh, this, you probably have about a week um, by the time you listen to this to get that fur to a receiving area. So you want to get over to FurHarvesters.com. There's several sections of that site, uh, but if you go into the tab, you may have to do this on your uh, laptop. Uh, may not work as well on mobile phone, but go to Trappers and Rancher, that tab at the top of the page at furharvesters.com. Go down to... Uh, you have a few options here. There's shipping to FHA, and then pickup schedules and FHA agents. What I usually do is go right to pickup schedules. You have... Uh, a place for Canadian shippers and one for U.S. shippers. So I am going to click on um, U.S. shippers and pickup schedules link. Click on that and then it gives U.S. pickup schedules for all of the states that have uh, fur harvesters uh, pickup locations. Uh, Alaska, Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Idaho, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Kentucky, Maine, Michigan, Minnesota, Missouri, Montana, Nebraska, New Hampshire, New Mexico, New York, Nevada, Ohio, Oregon, Pennsylvania, South Dakota, Tennessee, Utah, Vermont, Washington, and Wisconsin. So there's a lot of places, guys, to uh, to get your fur picked up. Um, mine in Maine. Let me pull this up. Uh, when you click on your state, it should open up a PDF document, and that has the 2020 auction schedule, the last receiving dates, and the sale dates. And the last receiving dates for this auction is January 19. Uh, the sale date is March 28 to 31. So this is time. Um, in in my uh, the Maine schedule, it shows uh, January 11. There's a bunch of pickups, and then January 18. There's a bunch. Uh, there's actually some. There's some after that, but after January 18, um, uh, you may January 22. You're gonna if you if you get by January 22 in Maine, they're a little later than that last receiving date, but that should still get your fur into the uh, into the March auction. But after the 22nd, or whenever your state, whatever your date is for your state, around that 20th of January. Your fur is not going to be auctioned off likely until April, because it takes them a lot of time to gather all the fur together, and then they've got people grading it, sorting it, going through that whole process of getting it ready for the auction. So, uh, I'm actually, I actually, the other thing is to if you don't see a pickup area in close to you, you should, you should really uh, take a look at the pickup uh, information uh, down at the bottom. There are, uh, there are some agents and there's going to be the contact information for those agents. So mine in Maine, um, you know, I get a guy down in, in Western Maine who is an agent and has his phone number right there. So I just gave him a call and I say, look, uh, my, my closest location is is a little over two hours away. And uh, and I'm actually, I actually have to be working in the woods that day, a uh, long ways away from, from anywhere. Probably, uh, I'll probably be six hours away from that pickup location by ha- a lot of it being dirt road um, and uh, snowy road and icy road. So anyway, I can't make it to that to that pickup, but I, I said, is there any chance you're going anywhere else that's not on the list? And he called me up a couple weeks later, and he did add a location. Uh, he had had uh, had to go to an area that's an hour away from me, and so in a few days here, I'm planning on, on going down there and meeting him. And uh, bring in some fur. So, always, always check. Just because it's not on the list, there's always a possibility to uh, to be able to to meet somebody or or maybe check with a fellow trapper that can help you. Um, maybe you can throw pelts together uh, to make it worth the long trip to to get some fur over to the auction. Um, so that's that's good. And and it's one thing that you know a lot of times we don't think about it, or I don't think about it, and then all of a sudden it's like a week away, and it's like, oh man, I'm not gonna. I got to get my fur out. If I if I don't get it out now, where am I going to sell it? And it especially, it's bad if you miss the the late auction, because this year, the plan. Of course, we don't know what's going to. I don't know what's going to happen with Nafa yet. When they're going to sell, all of the fur that that they have um, when they went bankrupt. So uh, that there could be an auction available for that fur. I do have some fur still there. And hopefully there's an auction. Hopefully you see some money there, but um, I'm not looking, not very hopeful. But uh, if you if you don't get it in, then you're going to have to really r- run up against some options. And you know one of the things I I did is uh, I did vacuum seal and freeze some Martin pelts. So that that's one option. If the pelts are small, you you could vacuum seal them and get them in the freezer, and and they'll last you at least a couple of years, no problem. Um, you, you can look for a local buyer. You can look for. Uh, I actually you you can ship for, and you can you can mail it via postal service, FedEx, UPS. Yes, it's going to be expensive, uh, but it's better than you know having fur sit around that you don't you don't have a market for and you can't afford to pay to get it tanned. So um, we I know we've talked about that before, but I, I actually I just shipped a box uh, of 26 beavers to, uh, one of our friends of the podcast out West, who is a fur buyer. And, uh, so, so it can be done. It was, it was a little expensive. It was a little under $4 a pelt to ship those, but, uh, you know, it, it, it can be done if you, if you pack things in right and you get the right box and the right size and, uh, you can get it done somewhat reasonably, um, it's easier if you have smaller pelts. Uh, also, had a fellow trapper who uh, lives down in Pennsylvania, and he he uh, was headed down, and he has an uh, FHA pickup about 20 minutes away from his house. So that was that worked out good. I threw some coyotes in with him too. So, um, you know, I understand. A lot, several people have contacted me. Said, "Hey, look, you know, this is not as easy as you think. That there's there's not a lot of you know." W- especially trappers down in the south. We don't have a lot of markets. We're far away from anyone that wants our fur. And what I'm telling you right now is you're not alone. Um, I'm a trapper up north in a state that produces some pretty good quality fur, and we still have uh, big challenges in getting our fur to market. And Part of it, I think, is just living in a rural area, and everything is far away as it is. And as the markets, the different markets dry up, you know, I had a NAFA a receiving agent just uh, 30 minutes away, and and uh, they're no longer taking fur. So, you know, all of a sudden, the closest one is two hours away, and that's just a pickup on on a Saturday morning twice a year. So uh, <laughs> these are all things that we we are challenged with. But, um, you know, you, if you're innovative, creative, and you, you think of all your different options, you can figure it out. You can find a way to, to get that fur sent off. Um, and then I know a lot of you guys are are going to send fur out to get tanned and uh, make it into different fur clothing items and I think that is just awesome. If you only have a few pelts, I'd recommend that uh, as well. Um, it, I think it's a, a really good option. So what's going on in my trap line? Well we're pretty well wrapped up for most species here in, uh, in northern Maine um, and I I still have a lot of beaver trapping, a fair little bit of beaver trapping I want to do, but I'm gonna put that off. I'm kind of taking a break from uh, trapping for about a oh about a month here, and just kind of regrouping and and uh, catching up on other things that I fell behind with when I when I got into the start of the trapping season and uh, preparing for a trip, preparing for a big trapping trip. You're probably not gonna hear about it when I'm gone you the only way you'll know I'm gone is uh, I won't be responding to emails and that will be for a period of close to three weeks you you won't you won't get any responses uh, from me you're gonna hear podcast episodes but those are gonna be preloaded, and hopefully I do it right <laughs> actually I, I screwed up the other day uh, this last week's episode I posted ahead of time because I was going in the woods. And I didn't know when I'd be back. And, and so I posted up ahead of time and I just scheduled it to, to come out. You know, you can schedule your your blog posts and podcasts and stuff to come out anytime you want now. And I scheduled that to come out on Saturday night. And I was in the woods through Sunday night. I got back Sunday night and I saw that it had posted. Everything looked good. I was like, all right, awesome. And... Uh, it's funny, one of the things that I listen to a lot of different people online and, you know, podcasts and and YouTube videos and everything and uh, some of them in the business world just because that's something that interests me, um, uh, online business like what we're doing here with the podcast and website and all that. And there's one guy called, uh, that by the, goes by the name of Seth Godin. He's kind of a, a thought leader when it comes to online business. He's been doing it for, since since the beginning of the internet essentially. And he, I don't agree with everything Seth talks about. He he's got a lot of different, uh, you know, v- extremely liberal opinions and ideas and views. But he's incredibly smart person, and he has some some fascinating insights on uh, psychology and uh, people and emotional intelligence and how you work with other people and how you how you sell to people in the right way. Um, all things that that we can all learn uh, to to help ourselves in, in everyday life. And one of the things he talks about a lot, and one of the key phrases he says is, is, how, do you know, are you putting out quality information, quality content? And he says, the one way to measure that is you ask this one question, will people miss you if you're gone? In other words, if you don't show up, will someone miss you? And I had some people missing the podcast, so that was pretty awesome. On Monday morning, I went to work just like uh, every other day, and I started having emails fire up on my phone. And I just, you know, didn't really pay much attention. And I was doing doing stuff. I was kind of busy, and uh, I got I had a quick break, and I pulled one up. And hey, uh, great! Uh, love your podcast. By the way, you forgot to attach the episode. And another one. Hey, your episode didn't post. Um, I don't hear anything. Don't see anything on the site, and, and all this. And this is just people that were getting the the email newsletter, the weekly newsletter that shows the the, the episode. You know, I know a lot of you guys just get it when it comes out on uh, on on either Apple Podcasts or St- uh, Stitcher or Spotify or whatever platform you listen to. So that 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 was really cool. That. That uh, I thought, wow, you know, that's the, the first thing that came to mind was, hey, I had a few people miss me, so uh, it's it's good <laughs> it's good to know. But anyway, I screwed that up, and so it, if I screw this up and I'm I'm where I'm going, I'm not gonna have cell service for a very long extended period of time, and I'm not gonna know. So I apologize ahead of time <laughs> to listeners and uh, sponsors, advertisers. Uh, if if that happens, we'll make up for it when I get back, but. If things go smoothly, uh, you're going to hear an episode every week still, and uh, it's almost going to be like I'm not—I uh, I didn't go anywhere. Except your emails will—I'll uh, probably have several hundred emails when I get back to to deal with, which is okay. It'll be worth it. Um, but I—I I have been doing some more interviews. I've had some feedback from guys that that have been enjoying. The, these interviews lately of just everyday trappers, so so people that listen to the show and a lot of newer, younger trappers, trappers who who've gotten into it later on in life, and the the, uh, the this kind of result resulted from uh, several episodes ago when I was like, hey, if anybody wants to come on the podcast, you know, I I I think it'd be cool to interview some of you, and I've had quite a few responses to that, so. Uh, I've done I have two that I've done recently I'm doing two more tomorrow and then possibly another one coming up shortly so we'll have quite a few of those and boy it's been great I've had some really good conversations Uh, I'm I'm constantly amazed by the quality of people that listen to this show Uh, it's really cool it's really cool to see so anyway enough of that um, that that's more of that is coming up uh, speaking of people that listen to the show and interviews uh, remember we had vince on from Washington and he talked cage trapping uh, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to Vince um, he has uh, put up put together a youtube channel it's called trapped out TV and he just put up a few videos on that just recently started I subscribed and watched those pretty awesome stuff so it's cool to talk with somebody about uh, you know, their trap line and what it's all about and what they do. And, you know, he talked about eastern Washington and cage trapping. And you can kind of visualize that, but but it, it makes it all, you know, it, it's so much cooler when you can, having heard it, you can actually look and see all the scenery in the background and the type of ground he's trapping in. So uh, one of the videos he show he goes right through setting up a cage for bobcats. He actually shows where he he they caught a bobcat in the cage um, he shows how he sets his beaver traps, uh, those those live traps, um, the the uh, suitcase style, and uh, it's pretty cool. So um, check that out. It's uh, Trapped Out TV, and that's Vince from Washington. Let's go from Washington over to Wyoming, more specifically Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Jackson Hole is. Uh, not much like the rest of the state. When you think Wyoming, you think ranching country, mountains, open, um very low population, very conservative, old school farmer rancher type of uh communities. Uh, Jackson Hole, if you're not familiar, is is the tourist destination of Wyoming, and it is a place that kind of like Sun Valley in Idaho has attracted a whole pile of people who have a lot of money and are come from urban areas. And um, as a general rule, I know it's not good to judge people based on their background, um, but let's just say the vast majority of these people have more of an, uh, not all of them, but the very vast majority have an anti-trapping type of, of uh personal viewpoint or, or a personal viewpoint of being uh, uh, very friendly to animals and very unfriendly to those who uh, harvest animals. So, let's, let's put it at that. I think there's a lot of things that we can do to, uh, to, to understand more about, about those viewpoints and for those people to understand more about what we do. Uh, but, but that being said, we've, there are a lot of people in Jackson Hole area who recreate, who, uh, who like to go skiing and snowshoeing and see wildlife and, and uh, have their dogs and their pets uh, running around on public land. And so I, this article came across my desk a few weeks ago, and it was a very interesting article. I posted it up on trappingtoday.com. For those of you who don't follow the blog, Website you can uh, you can check that out. Um, there's a bunch of articles. If you did just listen to the podcast, you you know you don't see any of that stuff. So that's on trappingtoday.com, and th- this article is uh, it's written by the local newspaper there in Jackson Hole, and they're talking about a situation a, a pretty controversial situation that came to light and I wanted to discuss this and go into it a little bit just to kind of go through the thought process of of what you would do in this situation what how we should approach it and think about it and uh, maybe just just throw it out there and I would love to get your feedback on on what you would do or or your 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 thoughts on this now, one of the caveats here when I read this article is uh, there's been a lot of there's this group that is called Wyoming untrapped, and this group has has pushed uh, against trapping on public lands in particularly in this area. and there's I've heard some things about potentially, you know, this maybe being a spoofed article, uh, particularly since the trapper was not named, um, or something along those lines, or, you know, the story might have been made up, or, or whatever. I don't, uh, looking in the more recent information that come has come to light, I don't think that's the case. Uh, I, I It may have just been uh, the case of an unfortunate situation, but uh, just keep that in mind. Just, you always... Always think about, uh, oh, I, you know what? I'm going sit to sit back and I'm going to go to an article I just found in North Carolina because this is a perfect example. Uh, activists call on Amazon to stop selling bear traps after three legged bears found in North Carolina. Now, this article uh, talking about three legged bears in North Carolina is from January 7, 2020. Now, I don't have the best memory in the world, but I recall a year or two ago reading an article about three legged bears in North Carolina. And uh, something along the lines of, uh, we should ban foothold traps because they're finding three-legged bears. And it's the most outrageous thing because we all know that uh, none of the traps that can be used in North Carolina will hold a bear to begin with. Um, And even if they did hold a bear, they'd catch him by by a toe. And there would not be a three-legged bear running around. We all know this for a fact. So someone got a picture of a three-legged bear, and started circulating that picture, and created this whole narrative that, uh, yeah, traps are are killing all, are maiming all these bears, and we need to ban traps. So it's it's it makes you really roll your eyes. It's it's unbelievable how ridiculous this stuff is sometimes. Uh, but but that's a perfect example of something the public is going to believe that. Um, but when you're reading these things, just always have a little healthy level of skepticism, just to to be sure that uh, that that you uh, you know don't dive in headfirst into all these things without the full realization of what what might be actually going on. So let's get back to the Wyoming article. Trapper forewarns public about line up cash. Cash is spelled C-A-C-H-E. Um, interesting word, cash. Uh, the word refers to a place where valuable things are stored um, for uh, later retrieval. So, ca- a lot of the creeks out west are called Cache Creek, and actually, when I was in Utah, there was an area called Cache Valley. And and the interesting thing about that is that word and the naming of different areas uh, with cash in them came from the Mountain Man days when the mountain men would store caches of supplies, caches of gear, caches of uh, furs, traps or furs. And they would store them in places to return, um, pick them up later on. So Trapper forewarns public about line-up cache. A man who says he has set a trap line at one of the valley's most popular dog-walking spots set off a flurry of commentary on social media. The recent transplant from Star Valley posted on the Facebook page Jackson Hole For Sale Classifieds warning people who have tampered with his traps that he would report them to authorities. On Facebook he created an account under the name Chris Bratcher. The news and guide reporter interviewed the trapper and determined Bratcher was a pseudonym. The reporter confirmed the trapper's actual name but editors agreed not to print it because of the inflammatory subject. Editors decided the public benefit of this article called for an exception to our usual policy of not granting anonymity. It was a previous stint in the Valley when he worked at the Bar T5 Covered Wagon Cookout that hatched the idea of trying to catch fur-bearing species along Cache Creek. While employed by the chuck wagon, he noticed that Wyoming Game and Fish Department personnel were setting live traps to move black bears out of the low part of the drainage on the edge of town. I figured if you have a bear coming in, the trapper told News and Guide, you'd have everything coming in. Additionally, he thought it would be wise to run a trap line at cash because he'd heard there was a leash law in the area that could help keep free-roaming dogs out of his sets. Uh, The leash, it says here, the leash requirement applies only to the parking lot, not where the man says his traps are actually set. On Sunday morning, he took to social media to let people know. It's a well off the trail so no dogs get caught in them, he wrote in a Facebook page post. I have my traps tampered with and stolen. I have now put a game cam up and will be sending I have had my traps tampered with and stolen. I have now put a game cam up and will be sending further incidents to the game wardens and police. Tampering with traps is illegal in Wyoming, though there are exceptions. In twenty sixteen, Game and Fish Department altered regulations to allow any person to release accidentally caught non-furbearing, non-predators. The trappers notice set off a debate about the wisdom of running a trap line at one of the most visited nooks of the Bridger Teton National Forest, which is particularly popular with dog walkers in the wintertime. I'm sure you're a decent guy and hopefully you'll realize what you're doing is wrong, Jackson resident Destin Peters wrote in one of 100 plus comments that amassed. Even if it is legal, trapping in a very heavily used area is still wrong and it will hurt the reputation of hunters and trappers, ultimately getting more restrictions placed on all of us. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. It being a Facebook discussion, the discourse predictably degenerated into a tribalistic, into tribalistic name-calling. That's why I don't get into Facebook discussions. I'd be happy to have him trap anywhere near where I live because I'm not an insufferable imbecile and I'm perfectly capable of keeping my animals safe at all times, Caitlin Roberts wrote in response to another post from Peters. In a phone interview, the man stood by his decision and said he plans to run a trap line at Cash Creek through the winter. Roughly, his traps are located on the south side of the creek, downstream from the bridge preceding the main parking area. He's using three styles of traps, body-gripping devices called coni bears that are set in trees and intended to catch pine marten, and also foothold and live traps that are targeted at fox and raccoons. It's public land, and it's my public land, just like anybody else's, the man said. I have the same rights that they do. Cache Creek has been at the center of a community debate about trapping, a historic outdoor pursuit that attracted famous mountain men to the northern Rockies in the 19th century. Responding to a request from the advocacy group Wyoming Untrapped, the Wyoming Game and Fish Department proposed designating the cache drainage downstream of Noker mine draw as a trap-free zone in 2015. The Game and Fish Commission disagreed. So the, the department um, uh, suggested or proposed this, but the Game and Fish Commission is uh, officials who are on a board that uh, vote on the rules that are recommended by the, the department. Uh, They rejected the trap-free zone by a 5-1 to vote. Some members of the board at the time acknowledged that they didn't even know where Cache Creek was, but opposed the measure because it had the fingerprints of a group that sought to end fur trapping. So that's, hey, that's a good sign if you're in Wyoming. You've got a a board, uh, a Game of of Fish Commission that's uh, in support of trappers, that's for sure. Lisa Robertson, Wyoming Untraps founder, said having an active trapline in Cache Creek is motivation for her to again pursue regulations that create trap-free areas and trail setbacks. If there's a trapper who has the judgment to put traps in busy areas, then we need to get rid of those and we need to stop it, Robertson said Monday. It's a bad idea to have traps in that area, period. It's a very busy, highly used area, and that's the last place I'd put my trapline if I were a trapper. Because trappers often use scented baits to attract targeted animals, Robertson said it's only a matter of time before a dog is caught. The trapper said he had no desire to catch or injure anyone's pet. I'm taking more precaution than the regulations require, he said, and I think I'm being very cautious about it. So that's the end of the article. Let's give it give it a little bit of thought. And the, the first question that I'm going to pose for you to think about is and and I know this question probably indicates that I I have a, an opinion one way or the other. I I I kind of have a nuanced opinion on this, uh, but but I'll ask this question. Just because something is legal to do, should you do it? So let's get into a little bit of a philosophical discussion on on this whole deal. Um, the the thing that I'm gonna do is what what I just did is I took a notebook and I just made a list and and this is very typical and you know, I do this all the time. I know other people do this a lot. Uh, I, I just made a list of pros and cons of this decision. Uh, but I have a couple of boundaries um, around the pros and cons uh, on this notebook. I have I have a big uh, word on the very top, in between the pros and cons, and it, I circled it, uh, that word is information. And so at, at the very beginning, just the way uh, I'm thinking about this is any decision that, that you or I make on whether we think this should have been done or not, we need to recognize that we do not have all the information. Um, the article, I thought, was pretty good in terms of Uh, laying everything out there, um, the situation. But I've never been up, as far as I know, I mean, I spent a little time around Jackson Hole, but I don't believe I've ever been up Cache Creek. Um, And the, actually, maybe I have. I've been in that part of the forest. But anyway, obviously I don't remember. So I I can't tell you how much use this gets on a daily basis. Is there half a dozen people on uh, skis or snowshoes? Is there... Uh, Fifty people a day I, I have no idea. Um, I don't know what kind of forest it is. I don't know what you know what the fur bear population looks like how how far of a drive is it um, uh, there There are a number of different things. How far out of town is it? a number of different things that that we do not have all the information on so it's always important to to think in terms uh, of sort of a, that background of, of what you have for information. Uh, this is one of the things that living in a rural area, it, it's its very frustrating when uh, when you have issues, political issues, where people in rural areas are represent the minority of the voting public. However, a lot of times when issues come up that affect rural areas, those people are the ones that have the vast majority of the information that's used to make an informed decision. And so... It, it, it always seems that, and I know I'm, I'm getting off topic here, but I think it's necessary to talk about. You know, a lot of people, you've heard probably heard the term before, uh, the, the, the best government is the one that's closest to you. And so local government works very effectively because people are engaged and know what's going on. Um, the further you get away from local government, you get to county government, you get to state government and federal government, the further away you get from local the the less effective that governance is going to be and the, the less people are going to uh, be very fond of the decisions that government makes because those decisions are less likely to reflect uh, the knowledge that, that local people have uh, in the situation. So what I'm saying is from Maine or West Virginia or North Carolina or Florida or Alberta, Saskatchewan, California, Wherever you're listening from, just just remember that we don't have all the information. So our decision is kind of going to be couched within, within that uh, little bit of a, a caveat. And then below the pros and cons, I have a couple arrows going from pros and cons uh, to the center of the page. And I've got a thing with stars around it, and I wrote down Trapper's Decision. Mm-hmm. And so that's the other thing we need to recognize is that this is... A free individual who uh, we believe, based on the information we have, made a legal decision to do something that he has every right to do. And so, uh, those with those two things in uh, being considered, and I, I've never taken a philosophy course, so I don't know if I'm way off topic on this or, or touching on some of the the ideas, but um, recognize that we are outside of this this sphere of of this um, this whole scenario. And so we don't have all the information and even when we do come to a decision, we need to recognize that uh, this guy, this individual has the right to make a decision that's different from ours. And so those things being considered, let's let's look at the pros and cons. Um, I'm, I'm going to touch on the pros first. And uh, th- this is the pros and cons of setting a trap line up Cache Creek, uh, considering all of the things that we Heard about in the article. The number one pro is this is legal. This trapper, as far as we see in the article, is not doing anything against the law. He has the right to trap um, by Wyoming uh, trapping regulations in that area. So, okay, you know it's legal. He's he's doing his job. The, the people who hike that trail legally have a right to be there too. Um, so they're not doing anything illegal as long as they're not stealing his traps. And he did ask, you know, He had some traps stolen and said, look, I'm putting cameras up. I don't appreciate this. Uh, The second pro, and these are all my opinion again. You know, this is just what I see. And I'd love to hear from you if you had any other thoughts that are different. Um, The second pro is the guy went above and beyond um, the legal requirements. And he actually posted, you know, I'm going to be trapping in this area. Uh, I'm setting traps in this area. Here's generally where they're located. And uh, I don't intend to catch any animals. I, I want you to know about that. And uh, I don't want to catch your pets, but please keep them on a leash. Um, sounds like there's a misunderstanding there. He thought they had to be on a leash. Um, if if indeed they did have to be on a leash, then you know that's that's a pretty big pro there. He he went above and beyond and told people where the where the sets were to try and help them avoid their dogs being caught in the traps. Uh, beyond. Uh, Beyond the legal thing, I mean, uh, well, let's, one more on the legal. You know, this is, in addition to being legal by trapping regulations, this is public land. And everybody owns public land. Everybody who is a citizen of the United States owns public land. And so he did have the right to be out there um, doing what he did. And, and it gets into beyond the, the legal um, rights that this trapper had. You know, did he have sort of a philosophical right uh, to be out there trapping and and fulfilling a desire within himself that was not breaking any laws and in theory not going to harm anybody else? Just like the skier had a right to go and uh, and ski that trail and and to fulfill that desire as well. Um, and so, so, so that's a consideration. I think I don't know. I'd... You know one person. If you guys, if any of you know uh, Tyler Selden, uh, who's on the show, the last Alaskans um, trapper up there. He's the only person that I've ever heard of who who uh, has a degree in philosophy uh, and is a trapper. So <laughs> maybe someday I could get a chance to pick Tyler's brain about this stuff. Um, that'd be awesome. Um, one, I have one other pro here, and and this is something that. You know, just kind of thinking outside the box a little bit to to what this trapper did is that it it, it wasn't that this was an educational experience and it raised awareness. Now I know there's there's negatives to that as well, but but there is some positive aspect of showing people that there are still trappers around. They are citizens who are you know not uh, crazy mountain men or or. Uh, Low lives in society, and they, uh, they're this is a legal act, and they're not. their intention is not to catch your pets, um, and so it kind of you know raised a little bit of awareness there. So, so there's to me there's some value to that increased awareness, increased education of for people on on uh, on what this trapper was doing. Um. I kind of ran out of pros, so um, I get a list of cons. I think I have just as the same number of pros and cons, uh, and coincidentally. Um, but the the first the first con that I have is, while this has potentially been an educational awareness uh, situation that that may have had some positives, I think the uh, positives were outweighed by potentially the bad public relations that this uh, may have resulted in for trappers. So, so there was, you know, in addition to people who didn't really know much about trapping, and, oh, yeah, good, cool, that's, you know, that's legal, and the guy's doing it, that's cool. There's probably a lot of people who didn't even, who, who never thought that trapping was legal in that area to begin with, and they never saw a trapper there before, so, uh, they had no idea and and they just went about their thing and there's trappers in other areas that they never saw and everybody was happy um, and now you're taking an area where all of a sudden you're giving you're increasing the awareness of what's going on um, unfortunately though you know we always talk about this on the podcast is telling more people you're a trapper and showing more people you know what you're doing and and I I firmly believe that that's a positive, and I, I, you heard me tell Josh the other day that in the interview we had that I believe the majority of, of the uh, public would side with trapping if they were able to experience it and see what we did. Jackson Hole, Wyoming is not the majority of the public, okay? This is a select few that recreate on public lands in Jackson Hole, Wyoming uh, on these trails near presumably a a heavily traveled area these are the people who are closer to that 20 percent not the 80 percent that didn't go either way uh maybe the 10 percent that are are opposed the 10 or 20 or whatever that is that small percentage that are are very opposed to any type of trapping uh we're pulling from a pretty big pool of those in jackson hole wyoming um and i no offense to guys that are from jackson hole who don't feel that way um but you know what I'm saying. So you're taking uh, an issue and you're blowing it up right in the middle of a bunch of people that are are naturally inclined to be opposed to you to, to begin with. That's a bad thing in my view. The second con, you could catch a dog. Man, you could catch a dog. You got footholds there. And I don't know, again, not all don't have all the information. I don't know how far these were from the trail. Um, but if you... Ca- there's guys that have been catching dogs around the country. I see articles here and there. Uh, there was one in Montana in Missoula that was an illegal set. The guy dog died. It was an it was a 330 set on ground, highly illegal. The guy the guy uh, went to court. He paid a big fine. I think he served some time in jail actually, um, and. You know that's a problem. That's that. But but we obviously that's an illegal activity. That's not a trapper. That's not someone. That the guy didn't even know. He didn't even read the trapping rules or buy a, a trapping license. Um, he just put it out there. So so crazy stuff, right? And and um, there's no need to add to that crazy stuff by legally doing something that catches a dog. And and it's only footholds. Get it? But. Catching a dog in a foothold, it's not a big deal if you do it in a place where, you know, the dog owner knows what they're doing and the dog owner can just uh, easily pull that trap open and let the dog go. The, th- Again, this is a group of people that wouldn't know a trap if they saw it, most of them. And so if they catch a dog, it's going to be a big call the cops, call the game wardens, get everybody in, get the SWAT team in here and, and, uh, and, and, raise a big fuss and everything's in the news and another dog caught by a trapper and blah, blah, blah. And we need to raise awareness and we're going to start fundraisers um, and uh, and we need to ban trapping. Uh, so that's that's another con. Another con is, I, I'd thought about whether this was a con. I, I put a question mark near it. It seems as though, even though this was philosophically, possibly or potentially a right that this trapper had it, it also kind of seems a little inconsiderate. Um, and I think about that in terms of, let's say, you, I, I, we're, we're it's not like Wyoming's running out of places for people to trap, right? So let's say you had a similar situation on that trail and it was open to, I don't, it probably isn't. I don't know what it is, but let's say it was open to motorized use as well. And so these people are out there um, skiing and with their dogs, and you take your snowmobile and you go at top speed and zoom right by them on the snowmobile. You didn't do anything illegal, but don't you think maybe that was a little inconsiderate of, of those people? You know, if you, again, depending on the situation, maybe the snowmobile was legal there. Maybe you had to go to an area... Um, and you had to pass through that trail. Um, in in that case, maybe you slow down. Maybe you stop and say, hey, how's your day? How's it going? Um, but, but there, you always should be taking, uh, taking that into consideration. What, how other people feel about how, what you do affects other people. Um, yes, it might be legal. Does that mean it's okay? Does that mean you should do it? Uh, the fourth con, this is a motivator for the anti-trapping crowd. And it may have turned uh, some people who were were somewhat on the fence to, uh, or didn't really carry their way, to uh, maybe, maybe a little more towards trying to ban trapping in this area, at least on this trail network. So uh, you just took something that everything was kind of, Left B, you know, maybe a little education would be good, but uh, all, all of a sudden, you've added fuel to the fire for these people who don't really like the idea of, of possibly having traps on that trail. They don't own it, I get it. But you've added fuel to their fire and kind of given them a little motivation to work against us as trappers. Uh, that, uh... That's a little difficult to, to navigate because at the same time, you know, if, if there were a bunch of trappers that had been using that trail previously, maybe people would, would be less likely to walk their, their dogs on it and ski on and recreate uh, on that trail with their pets. So uh, it, it's really a tough deal where, you know, if you had an area where you were trapping uh, th- this particular trail system, for years and years and years, but you know, I think I I when I hear this, I think Mike Day in Missoula, Montana. If you Mike Wu, was a long time member of the Montana Trappers Association, I'm not sure uh, what he's been doing lately, but he's got to be in his 80s by now. I, he was there. He was old when I was there, and and he was always and he still is in the letters to the editor in the Missoula newspaper, uh, going back and forth with with the anti-trapping crowd and the crowd that wants to, to ban trapping on public trails and all that. And uh, w- when I think of that, I think, uh, you know, he's he's probably been in that area for many decades. And that area was much different 30, 40, 50 years ago. There weren't all these people. There wasn't this huge city. And it wasn't all these folks who have no background in hunting, fishing, or trapping. And just want to go out and walk their dogs, and they're on these trails now. And guys that used to trap are kind of being pushed out. So I, I do feel that as well. So I, I don't want to feel make it seem like you know trap or just get out of the way and go find someplace else to trap, uh, because we I do recognize that uh, there there's there's potential there for us to lose a little ground in places like this. So I get it. I think, um, but. But this is really, you know, overall. I think this potentially would. The con here is is uh, not only boost efforts of the anti crowd, but I also put uh, one last con that this could hurt trappers in other areas. Trappers that have heard about this and uh, 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 people who have heard about this in other areas, wanting to make sure. Oh, let's we better make sure that. We, never, we don't have anybody trapping on this particular trail. We better make sure that we, we change the law and make it so that they can't trap here in the future. A lot of that stuff going on in New Mexico right now. A uh, very, very similar situation. So, um, we get the pros pros and the cons. Uh, it was legal. He went above and beyond to inform. Uh, he It was public land. He had the right to use it just like anyone else. He had... Maybe a philosophical right as a trapper um, uh, to go out there and enjoy himself. And uh, it did bring some awareness to uh, who trappers are and and the fact that we're still around. The cons, bad awareness, bad public relations uh, for this particular community overall, I think. Uh, You could catch a dog and make it worse. Um, Potentially inconsiderate um, just because you can do it. it, it, it's having potentially negative impacts on people. And, and you know, you could say, oh, they're just a bunch of pansies. and But, you know, people who don't know any better, and they're walking their dog on a trail, and they don't know what a trap looks like, and they think, maybe my dog could get caught at any moment, any bend or turn around the bend of the trail. And they read this article about a dog that got caught uh, in another place. And, you know, there's a little bit of emotional uh, fear, and, uh, and you know, that's not good. It's, it's, it's negatively affecting other people's experience, even though we don't agree with them, even though they may not have any danger whatsoever. It's not about the facts. It's about how they feel. And so you, I, I think it's important to consider that um, because even if, even if you don't like it, uh, their feelings do matter when it comes to voting and, and, and funding these anti-trapping efforts uh this the another uh con boost the efforts of the anti-crowd and hurt trappers in other areas so so that's uh it, in a nutshell in my view uh in the end it was the trapper's decision whether we could discourage it or encourage it uh, whether we like it or not he had that decision to make and uh that's what he did now a couple of questions what would you do and and i'd love to hear from you uh Send me an email, jrodwood at gmail.com, j-r-o-d-w-o-o-d at gmail.com. Let me know what you would do in this situation. Um, what, or what do you think, what you think he should have done? I guess that's the same question. Um, what would I do? Well, my personal decision, based on the little bit I know about the general area, um, and based on my, uh, tendencies as an individual, I just want to be left alone most of the time. And I don't want to bother other people. I don't want to be bothered. That's why I live in the area that I live in. Um, it, you know, in general, it's pretty good (laughs) because I can't, I look in all directions and I can't see a neighbor anywhere. Um, I like that. I would have found another trail. I would have found a place that did not have traffic on it. Um, uh, from, from the recreating public, uh, at, at that level. Uh, assuming that there's a pretty good level of traffic on that trail. I would have gone somewhere else. Now, if I was limited, if there wasn't a whole lot of traffic there, um, if I didn't have other places to trap, I probably would have trapped there. But I wouldn't have set a foothold on the ground. Um, and and I wouldn't have set... I, pro- I probably would only have set... Uh, body grips up in the trees for martin and and maybe set a cage trap or two if i had one and i wanted to do that um but but i'd run a little martin line up in the trees and you know maybe maybe run into some skiers hey how's it going yeah um i'm uh i'm checking some martin traps just to let you know they're up they're up in the air they'll only catch martin or weasel they're not gonna there's no chance of catching your pet or anything um um, I'm being respectful of that, and you're right to use the trail too. And I hope you respect my right uh, to to use it as a trapper as well. So, you know, you get yelled at a little bit maybe from some people, but I think majority of people would be like, "Hey, that's pretty cool, okay?" Or, no, "I don't really like that, but thanks for letting me know." Um, or you just walk by and and say, "Hey, how's it going?" And don't don't let them know you're a trapper. I guess there's there's a lot of ways to. To approach things, depending on who the person is that you're that you're interacting with. So, so that's I guess that's what I would have done. I, I would have uh, I would have gone elsewhere to trap, uh, or I would have trapped in a very limited manner that would not have affected other members of the public. But that's my opinion. Not saying that's the right way. Uh, that's just uh, that's just me. And everybody's going to feel a little different, probably. Now, some there's an update to this story. <laughs> Follow up. Uh, there is a new article from the Jackson Hole News and Guide, and it's titled, "Cash Traps Removed, Trapper Cited. So remember what we said was assuming that everything the trapper was doing was legal. Um, so we get the rest of the story here. Uh, it says, a trap line that caused an uproar due to its location near the well-trodden Cache Creek Trailhead has been removed by a Wyoming Game and Fish Department warden who cited the man who set the traps. Warden Kyle Lash cited the trapper with failure to check his traps within the required 72-hour period and also for not tagging his traps. Those are non-bondable offenses that cannot be settled by paying a fine. The man has a 20, January 23 court date. Lash removed six traps from the Cash Creek area early this week after he determined with game cameras that the trapper had violated the check time requirements. On Tuesday night, Lash was able to make contact with the trapper, who helped the warden find and remove two more traps that had not been located earlier. Lash did not name the trapper because of game-and-fish policy that does not allow department personnel to identify suspects of violations until cases have been adjudicated. Um, The Jackson Hole News and Guide previously verified the man's identity. Granted him anonymity, he will be identified in print after his appearance in Teton County Circuit Court. Lash said the trapper was contrite and admitted to not checking his traps as frequently as the law requires. He was real helpful and apologetic, the warden said. There were two other traps I didn't know about that he helped me find. Traps must be marked with tags and trapper registration numbers in Wyoming. Trapper told Lash he had trap tags on order, had written a permanent marker on some of the traps, but others weren't marked in violation of the law, and Lash opted to cite him. Cache Creek is one of the most used areas in the entire Bridger Teton National Forest. It's especially popular in the wintertime when wildlife winter closures make other parts of the valley off-limits. Interesting. Many trappers don't bother with the area because of the potential conflict for conflict with pets. There you go. <laughs> Just last weekend, a pet dog named blah, 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 blah. That's blah. Uh, that's another story. So, anyway, this... Um, yeah, it, goes, it just repeats a couple of other things. Um, in it, in the end, it says, In his mind, he said he didn't think he was creating an issue because everyone would have their dogs on a leash. That's what he thought. But, of course, the leash law only applied to the parking lot. So, anyway, it's all kind of moot because the trapper was breaking the law anyway. Um, and he got caught, and it's probably a good thing. Um, it's unfortunate um, how, how that thing kind of played out, but... At the very least, guys, it was a good exercise in thinking about how we would approach certain things. And who knows, maybe it, it'll help you think in the future uh, on your trap line. Uh, when you have a decision to make like that, uh, it help you make, make what you feel is the right decision uh, in the long term in the best interest of, of you as a trapper and of other trappers and the trapping community as a whole. So, with that long-winded uh, discussion... Thank you guys very much for tuning in. Stay tuned uh for for some interviews coming up here uh uh very soon. And uh check out uh my book Fur Profit Trapper's Guide to the Modern Fur Market if you don't have a copy of that. It's uh only 12 bucks and uh you can get it just about anywhere. And you can get my long distance call lure uh for a couple more weeks now and I'm going to take it off the market for a while. So um, you find that at trappingtoday.com. If you need some lure, if you want to uh, stock up, even if your trapping season is over, uh, you can get a jar of that and uh, keep it in storage. It stores really well, and and uh, get it, have it for next season. So uh, appreciate that. I I get a certain number of balls. When I run out, I run out, and uh, won't make it until next year. So check it out, trappingtoday.com. Uh, you can still find some on eBay as well. With that, thanks for tuning in. Get that fur shipped if you got some to go and keep on talking, trapping, keep on thinking, trapping. If you still got a season, get out there and trap before it's over. Take care, and we'll catch you in the next episode.